This is Unnamed in Lights. Nat Bond is a voiceover artist, actor and choreographer. Her on-screen credits include the Australian soap series Neighbours and she is part of the Melbourne-based award-winning production company Camarella. Hear more about how her passion for calisthenics has become a consistent theme throughout her career in the performing arts. From working in the United States to recording in her own home voice booth during the pandemic, Nat made time in her busy schedule to join the podcast and share some wisdom. I hope you find her experiences inspiring. Thanks for coming on the show, Nat. No worries. You're a bit of a triple threat. You do acting, choreographing and voiceover work. Mm -hmm. So were you always into performing growing I, up? Yeah, I, I, I actually didn't really have a choice. Uh, my mum was always performing on stage in calisthenics. A lot of people still ask what calisthenics is, which is a little bit frustrating. Uh, but yes, so from the age of about two and a half, I started calisthenics, which is a lot of stage performance. Um, and then I just went from there and, you know, then moving on to into St. Columbus, which has a really intense dance program. We were constantly there after school um, dancing and, you know, the, the love of performance has always just sort of been instilled in me, I guess. And how much of a role did that high school time have in what you're doing now? I constantly say that everything that I have learned, um, I have learned from calisthenics um, because of uh, just the amount of different things it sort of checks off. Um, it, it, it is it is pretty old fashioned um, and traditional, I guess. Uh, but it, definitely St. Columbus, um, it, it really sort of um, pushed that me into that direction a little further um, in, in sort of realizing that I actually can do this in my life. You know, I don't have to go and get a, an office job or something like that. I can actually make a living um, from doing what I really love and, uh, and performing is really what I love. And I imagine during the pandemic, that would have been a hard time to sort of work on your craft. But did you do a lot of voiceover work during that period? I did. I did a lot of voiceover work. Yeah, in answer to your question initially, yes, it was a really hard time because um, shoots were cancelled. Uh, you know, a lot of people were out of work um, in the arts and film industry. Um, it was really, really tough. The, the things that we were kind of hoping to achieve or rely on. Uh, were suddenly not there anymore. Uh, I was lucky enough to have had a, uh, a home studio set up uh, for my voiceover work. So I, uh, I was able to finish uh, an American animation that I was recording. That was tough from home because uh, you really do work off the uh, energy and the, and, and the re reactions and the direction uh, when you're in studio. Um, but yeah, look, I was really lucky um, to have had that set up and to be able to have that sort of creative outlet and do a lot of um, national and international work from home. I'm interested to know how you modify your voice for different commercials, different clients and brands. How does that all work? Look, it's interesting because I think back to when, to when uh, in primary school, when you know when you used to get pulled out of the class, uh, there'd be a mother who would do the, the reading with each child and you'd go out and you'd read a little bit and then the next person would go out. I remember distinctly a woman saying to me, or a mum, a mother saying to me, you're really good at all the voices. And I must have been just making it into this performance or this show. Mm -hmm. um, so for, so doing doing voices or, uh, or, or creating voices is something that I've always, I, I, I think it just has been in me when I tell a story um, and uh, without even realizing that I was ever doing it, I'm like, oh, this is actually something that I do. Um, so 
and look, you know, as, as the years have gone by, I've been I've been uh, doing voiceover work for sixteen, nearly seventeen years now. Um, yeah, look, I mean, you get a brief, and you you're you're told I need it to sound. Uh, youthful or I want it more energized I want it to be like a strong promo read or I want it to be really relaxed and chilled you know you go with that that sort of direction and then you say okay well how about this and then I guess you massage it together so in terms of um of, of change it's, it's it's not so much thinking about oh how is this going to sound um initially it's more like um, who's my audience? How do I feel? Um, who am I trying to, to reach? Uh, and, and, and what is the message behind uh, what I'm saying here or what I'm trying to deliver? And what are some of your favourite advertisements you've done? I know there's Lemsip and a few oh, other... yeah, yeah. I, look, I recently... Um, it really depends. I, I really like the... Uh, for a really long time, I was doing really hardcore promo kind of stuff like this. You know, a lot of really hard sell uh, radio, um, which I still get to do a lot of. Um, I love every style. It's, 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 it's such a fun job. Um, but I really find... Uh, I do a lot, of the, a lot of work for the World Wildlife Fund, uh, Earth Hour, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, uh, I, I really like that kind of pulled back. Um, you're speaking to, to somebody calmly. Um, that that kind of approach where you, you, you're not really pushing it as hard. Um, but it really does depend on on the the client, the product, the audience. Uh, I did. There was a there was a a campaign that I did several years ago uh, for a company called Ripper Ride, and it's a beautiful. Um, really cool uh business it's kind of like a yeah i guess it's like airbnb i guess or maybe i shouldn't be saying those all those all those names but it's um it's to you know sort of getaways really beautiful unique getaways and i really loved that campaign that we did because it was talking about you know the things that we take for granted and it was very very stripped back and and very lovely but then there was another amazing um, sports brand, a new sports brand that I did earlier this year called No Timid Souls, and they they had a really cool campaign with a great message, and that was sort of more hard pressing, but um, you know, intense, but uh, but I guess heartfelt as well. So it's I don't know. I I feel like when you're able to put your heart and a, and a bit of soul behind it without sounding super cheesy, yeah. um, that's kind of the stuff that I find really rewarding. Yeah. yeah. I think I saw the travel one on your show reel with the starry sky yeah, and so I know the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's, yeah. it was a gorgeous campaign. It turned out really well. And what do you prefer, acting, voiceover work? Is there a preference there? Well, I mean, you know, they the, the two of them sort of talk to each other, and, and particularly if I'm doing animation, um, it, that's uh, when I when I get to do something like animation. I think that the the reason I enjoy that so much is because. I performed for so long on stage doing huge, you know, there's, there's elements of calisthenics um, that are hard, you know, really big, over the top kind of acting and performing on stage. Yeah. And uh, and years ago, I I was doing an acting class and and the teacher sort of said to me, "Oh, you're really you're really really going hard," and, and it's and, and you forget that there is a camera in your face. So it is a balance, and it is about pulling it back and making sure that you're. That you're finding, you know, you know, the camera picks up such really teeny tiny um, uh, reactions and responses. Mm. So I feel like when I do uh, something like animation, I'm able to let loose and just go for it, and I can really go hard with the character. And you know, nothing's ever too much. You know, that kind of that kind of feel. Um, yeah. 
but then you know rather than sort of pigeonholing acting as just acting you know your stage your screen your it, it depends on, on on the type of acting I guess that you're doing um, so it is I love them both um, voiceover I've done uh, look I, I really probably couldn't compare because I get so much out of both of them um, but I, I do a lot more voiceover work than anything not including calisthenics I don't think <laughs> no I do a lot of voiceover work I, I, I feel like um, I just get so much out of both of them and it, they're both such a wonderfully wonderful creative outlet for me yeah and who's the character you've played in the American animation? And has that come out yet? Yeah, so that's that's out at the moment. That's a that's an animation called Big Words, Small Stories. Uh, and I play the voice of a little dog called Abigail. And, you know, she's really, you know, uh, kind of... Uh, how do I explain it? She's, you have to do the accent and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> and she she's very, very lazy, real cute kind of character and can't be bothered doing anything. And... And um, her owner is this boy, Davey, and he always wants to go out and take adventures and things like that. And she's just really, you know, unenthusiastic, that kind of thing. That's a really, that was a really cute little animation that we did. And those episodes are only sort of seven minutes long, um, super cute. But then in the same year, I also did regular old Bogan, which um, was with uh, these hilarious guys, um, these two guys that run a company called Stepmates. Um, and I played the voices of uh, Wendy, Mary, and Dr. Dr. Maybelline, um, and a spattering of other characters throughout that. And that was the complete other end of the scale. So you're going from like this little kid's educational animation to this adult kind of wrong town, hilarious, crude, crass kind of. Um, so it's really nice. It's, it's fun and it's exciting being at all different ends of the scale or yeah. parts of the scale. Right. And, and speaking of the US, I know you're doing some choreographing over there recently. Do you want to talk a bit about that gig? I've been a part of a, a couple of different uh, performance tours, particularly uh, when we've been to Disneyland and um, the, the, the performers performed at um, uh, Universal Studios. And so on those two performance tours, we um, put together a massive number and then they would perform it over there um, in down Main Street at Disneyland. That was amazing. And we took a lot of choreography workshops and which I think was, just, I just got so much out of because I'm always very, very keen to get a little bit of a slice of, oh, I wonder how they do it. And oh, that's an interesting way of thinking about that and learning from each other. Um, so yeah, th those have, have been incredible. I was, I was also in um, Palm Springs about, oh God, however many weeks ago now. Uh, for my incredibly talented friend Stephen Agisolo, he he launched his dance film, uh, which was amazing. We he and I um, did full time dance together, um, and I was able to go over and moderate the Q and A at the end of that. So that was really nice to be involved uh, in the Palm Springs dance project for that as well. So yeah, it all sort of intertwines together, you know. Yeah. So that was yeah. that was cool. Right, and he's Australian as well, or yeah, he's from Melbourne. Um, he lives in New York City. Um, but he's just, uh, yeah, he's absolutely incredible. And it was, it was such a great celebration of not only he, him launching his first film, but also uh, that it is a dance film, no dialogue. And we were able to sort of just, um, you know, celebrate dance in general, but also filmmaking and, um, and, and, and the arts. Yeah. So. What do you think it is about Australians? Do they have that passion and drive to succeed overseas? Because there's so many talented people over there that are doing their thing. 
There is. I think I think it's an interesting uh, the the industry here versus the industry over there. I think is very very different, and I and I I believe that the approach here is is different over there. And I might have to be a little bit careful mm. with what I say. I believe in the United States and everyone that I've I've dealt with, um, uh, whether it be uh, about animation or about um, acting or um, yeah. agents or whoever, yeah. um, or at networks um, where we've had. Um, you know, meetings with network people or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it feels as though over there they're a, a, a little more inclined to, um, if they can't help you, put you onto somebody else. Mm. Uh, and I, I believe that's why the the industry over there flowers and flourishes a lot quicker, yeah. um, and is a lot. I mean, obviously, it's a much bigger country, yeah. um, but there is this um, there is this urge to say listen, I don't think that I'm the right person that you should speak to, but here's three email addresses of people that I think would really like, would really like what you've got to offer. Mm. Um, I feel sometimes here it can be a little bit, uh, oh, oh, I can't help you, so it's, there's, you're at a dead end, or, um, yeah. or I, I, um, oh, it's very, very competitive here, so um, you, know, you, you keep it close to your chest mm. rather than taking the other approach where it's like, mm rather than seeing it like, oh, the reason it is competitive here is because everybody's keeping it really close. You know, mm. we should be taking this sharing and supporting and, oh, wow, you know, you're really great and, and taking risks on people mm. because the talent in Australia, whether it be in cast or crew or whatever, mm. is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and, I've, and I feel like uh, Australia, I, I really wish we should be celebrating the arts a lot more. I really, um, I feel that, and I know that a lot of, uh, artists out there will agree that um, funding is always a little bit mm. what why are we always left last you know yeah. um, during uh, during COVID we really really struggled in terms of um, funding or um, you know to, to receive any sort of anything from the government or whatever and uh, then everybody's sitting at home watching on TV all the artists at work in their Netflix series or whatever so mm. I certainly don't want to preach about this but um, yeah. Yeah, I think that, that that Australia has phenomenal artists, phenomenal talent, and uh, there's such there's a, there's a huge, huge opening for us to celebrate it a whole lot more here. Mm. That is a theme that keeps coming up on this podcast, of course, the neglect the industry yeah. feels during the pandemic. So that's fair that you would touch on that. Mm. And given we're recording this in Melbourne, you can hear the trams yeah. going by. <laughs> I know, um, yeah, we went to the same high school and you worked with Anne Edmonds, who I believe went to St. Columbus as well. So yeah. what was it like working with her? Oh, she is just an absolute legend and she's so funny. So, I mean, look, uh, she went to primary school with my brother. So they've known each other for a very long time. So I, you know, I was, I always knew who Anne was and she was yeah. just a few years older than me. So her last couple of years were my first few years at St. Columbus and she just had this incredible ability to um, entertain everybody and she would you know get up at assembly or whatever and she just the whole place would just she'd bring the house down um, I truly believe um, in general uh, I think that there's some funny bones in at St. Columbus I think that mm. the, the sense of humor in that place is very vibrant and and a bit unique yeah. um and i might i might have overthought that but i really do believe that there's a really really good sense of humor in that place that continues yeah. to to sort of churn yeah. um but anne is just 
she's so humble and she's just a great bird, you know, like, and you know, I, I say that, you know, great bird, I use that because she's just, she's just fantastic and just wonderful to work for or work, work with. And I just had the best time on edge of the bush with her. She came to me saying, oh, I want to do this thing about calisthenics. And I'm like, calisthenics to be, yeah. to begin with, that's hilarious rather than calisthenics. Yeah. Um, and I think that she was kind of like, look, it is going to be a funny thing and it's going to be a little bit absurd and over the top. Yep. Um, but I'm coming to you because I think um, it's best to sort of consult with someone who understands both sides and right. uh, and and rather than completely insulting the sport, mm. I want to be able to get a bit of an idea of what I'm doing yep. so I look like I have some sort of mm. concept. Um, which I was really appreciative of as well because I really appreciate comedy and love comedy. Uh, but also I love calisthenics so much and I, um, you know, when you, once you're a calisthenics girl, your heart is in calisthenics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you wanna you wanna respect it as much as you can. Yeah, and, and that was a screen role. So, and then how does that compare being on camera to the theatre and having that live audience? What What's the energy difference there? Well, the, the thing about, um, Oh, look, I mean, when it's comedy and it's a, it's it's you know absurd OTT kind of comedy, um, you do have a bit of free reign to go a little bit crazy and a little bit you know a little bit wild, and and she certainly nailed that. And um, yeah, I was able to. Uh, I had another one of my calisthenics girls, my Robin Moore girls, uh, Jackie Munro, who also was was in the. We were sort of doing the background stuff on the stage and because the final performance was was filmed on stage we could just go wild it was great yeah. um yeah so that was look i mean that was a that was a few years ago now but it was just yeah. hilarious and it just such a fun time and and you forget that this is a job like this is your job when you when you go and you're like this is gonna be the best time ever so um yeah we had a we had an absolute blast on edge of the bush and i thought and just yeah. was just so funny and a lot of people actually say oh my god i loved that edge of the bush and i'm like that's yeah. so i love that you've seen it and then yeah. Because everybody still does have this idea of like, yeah, well, I still don't really know what calisthenics is, and I'm mm. like, yeah, it's it's interesting that you you probably still don't know from watching that show. It's, it's that is certainly not a reflection yeah. of what it is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> bit of an underrated sport. It yeah, is, it is, and yeah. it's a um, look, you know, the the, the club that my mum started back in 1984 is Robin Moore Calisthenics, and we um, are one of the seven elite calisthenics clubs in Victoria. Okay. So um, that's just, uh, yeah, there's, there's all of calisthenics and then there's the, the seven elite teams that are sort of the, at the top, I guess, of the sport. Um, you know, it is very time consuming, it is very disciplined, but it also the life skills that, that everyone gets out of it. And as I said, everything that I know or can do, I feel like all began or all came from calisthenics. And did that discipline then help with the Rocker Steadfords that you did, the dance performances at with Miss Linda? Absolutely, I mean, we did uh, the Good Friday Appeal. We were, we were doing a lot of television when I was at St. Columbus. Um, we did a show which was with Magda Zabansky and Gina Riley and Jane Turner. It was something stupid, it was called. Um, and that was amazing. Just, just having that introduction from like, I know these things from performing on stage and in a theater and I understand, you know, how it works and where the camera is gonna be and all of that kind of thing. But also being able to, um, you know, get that experience at such a young age with school, mm. uh, doing a live variety benefit concert um, with the Good Friday Appeal. I mean, we did that several years in a row and yeah. 
Um, I, th- I also think that that's something that, that television really misses. That was a that was a fantastic show. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it was it was really sort of a, a piggybacking kind of thing. You know, we went from um, doing I went from doing calisthenics to you know um, with doing some ballet, doing state team calisthenics, then doing uh, dance at St Columbus, doing Good Friday Pure, doing something stupid, doing Rocker Stedford, mm-hmm. then going into full time dance, and then. Yeah, so it's uh, it all sort of uh, works together with each other, and I'm and I've been really lucky to have had ama- some amazing, amazing teachers and mentors over the years. And we should say we're recording this at Easter time, and the Good Friday special still exists. But yes. for people that don't know, it used to be in front of an audience. Mm. I think at the Princess Theatre, and now it's a scaled down studio. Yeah, show. it was a look. It was at the um, it was at the exhibition centre or the the, the convent, Sorry, the Melbourne Convention mm. Centre. Uh, and uh, I think one year it was at uh, it might have been at the Regent or something like mm. that, um, but yeah, it was a it was a variety benefit concert, um, kind of like a, an indoor um, carols by candlelight, if you will, yeah, yeah. Um, and just incredible acts, you know, even international acts would perform, uh, and they would do the telethon during yes. during the show, and it was that was really really uh, something incredible to be a part of and, and just such a wonderful memory that I have from um, from, yeah, from that. For sure. So what's one of your biggest career successes, would you say, however you define success? And then after that, tell us about a bit of a setback. Oof, okay. Um, c- career successes. That's, that, that's hard because I feel like when you're a performer or when you're an actor, it's, you know, the thing that you're chasing once you, once you get it. I think there was a famous Matthew McConaughey um, speech when he said this, the thing that you're always chasing it's and I totally agree with it once you've got it it's hard it's it's you really need to, to you know consciously stand back and appreciate that you got that and now you're going after the next thing yeah. rather than continually looking in the distance um, I shot a I, I shot a Netflix series last year called surviving summer which was a really good time it was only a, a, a small you know a, a smaller I don't want to say a small part because there's no, no small parts for small actors. Yes. <laughs> um, but that was amazing. That was that was a really really cool time, and it was shot down down Lawnway or Anglesey, sorry, um, yep. on the beach there, freezing mm. cold. I wow, it was freezing. Um, that was really really cool. Um, I I just I, I don't know what I I couldn't say what my most successful thing. Yeah. is because I don't really look at, I, I look at all as like, I'm so grateful to be doing any of this work in general. Yeah. And, and I appreciate anything that comes my way. Um, yeah. So I don't, I tend to not measure, oh, this is a bigger job than that job. Mm. It, it, for me, it's, um, it's, it's more about the experience and how successful the experience is rather than how big the paycheck is or, um, or, or who I'm working alongside or, you know. Mm. So um, I feel like, the whole thing, um, all like amalgamated together, is 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 the most successful thing um, for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, that's why I wanted to say how you de- you define it because yeah. yeah, it might not be the most ratings or you know yeah. viewership. Look, look, I mean, I feel like you know if you were to to measure it with you know the biggest star you've ever performed with, you know. Um, uh, or, 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 or that was my highest paying, whatever. Or this is the the, the most amount of people have seen this. Or, mm. you know, I'm working. Uh, I'm I'm involved in a in a production company called Camarella. Mm. Uh, it's myself and four other guys. Yeah. Uh, 
hugely talented, clever, very funny um, group. And we we mostly do comedy, but we create our own content and we shoot it ourselves. And then most of the time we put it online or enter it into film festivals. Um, And a couple of years ago, we shot a piece called The Bible Writer's Room, which was really fun. And it is before (laughs) there's a lot of people saying, oh, Bible Writer's Room, oh, that sounds a bit blasphemous. No, 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 it's more about about writing rooms. Um, But we just used uh, Matthew, Mark, Luca, and John, who were writing the New Testament as sort of like the funny sheen over it. so that looked for me um, being invited into Camarilla was was uh, uh, one of my most uh, valued and, and most um, grateful successes, I guess. Um, I, I just love being able to be creative with with those guys um, so often and be able to work and learn from them, um, and hopefully contribute um, to to our future uh, pieces. We're shooting a feature film this year, which is really exciting. Um, so yeah, look, I mean, I feel like the things that I'm grabbing along the way or the things that are coming to me or that I'm going out to get the whole thing is is um, for me um, it's just rather than saying it's totally successful it's mm. more like it's just for me I'm just so grateful and, yeah. um, and I just feel yeah I feel really really honored to be able to, to work with these people yeah and any setbacks you wanted to share or maybe lessons you've learned that maybe they turned into something else or um, i mean the pandemic's a good example i guess yeah oh well the, the pandemic the pandemic was um i guess um <laughs> you know you've got to put you got to put life skills into this into this mm-hmm. fantasy life and, and the fantasy life is um is you know it's not a i mean i think that everybody should be uh, striving towards what uh, doing what they really love and finding what it is and really doing it um but i guess something like a pandemic being thrown yeah, into your world is is kind of like uh, make sure that your finances are in place I guess before <laughs> you're relying on something mm-hmm. like the arts where it's like oh my god suddenly there's a, not a lot happening here yeah. and well what am I gonna do or mm-hmm. um, I, I guess I guess yeah the, the, the setbacks I guess you know every every uh, thing that could be presented as a problem or a, something that's um, gets you down a little bit, you can actually flip it and say, "Oh, okay, so I lost that job, but I actually learnt this from it to move on to the next thing, and now I can offer that experience into this next thing." Um, you know, when you when you have a, a regular voice gig for four years or something like that, and suddenly you're told, "Oh, they're just they're just recasting." you know you can either go oh my god i've done a terrible job or oh my god that's the way it goes and this is how they this is fine and i really thank you for the job i think that um you know those kind of things you know that i don't know if i could see that as a setback because i i think in the frame of mind that i am in now i look at it like yeah but i had it wasn't it great when i had it that's and i'm grateful to have to have been able to get that experience and nothing does last forever i used to do a i used to do crowd warm-up for a a television show and and um you know it was uh it was that was an amazing experience it was Mm. i was terrified every single time i did it (laughs) though Mm. so i felt like i don't know if this is for me but i know that i'm learning something here Mm. um and then i ended up not doing that after about six months and that was really kind of a little bit it was hard to not be disheartened because mm. of the approach that was taken um, at the end of it. Mm. 
But at the end of the day, I kind of went, well, you know what? I did like 22 shows. Mm. I got all of this experience out of it as much as I hated it or was terrified, but I still got that and now I can move on and I'm actually yeah. kind of grateful that I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, no, no. Look, that, those kind of things, you know, you can see as a setback or you can see as a learning curve. Yeah. Well, I think that's all my questions. It's, Thank yeah. you for having me. I um, Look, I mean, it's it's really, really hard to, to sort of put everything that I do into a, a nutshell because mm. I... Um, you know, I might be doing one day, I might be um, shooting the next day, I might be choreographing a, a big number or, and the next day I might be uh, um, in the voice booth, um, yeah. or the next day I might be writing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess um, everything from um, from Camarilla to uh, Robin Wall Calisthenics to St. Columbus to Dance World, yeah. all the different places yeah. that, you know, that I'm, that I'm moving around. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a bit of an unusual life, I think. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's uh, to a degree I, I guess I explain my my life is like you know those people that were in like the money machine where it's blowing around <laughs> and they're grabbing at it yeah. yeah that's kind of like me grabbing at different mm. things that I do so yeah. thank you for um, helping me try and put a net over yes. some of this stuff. No, thanks for coming on the show I appreciate you explaining your experiences and great to have you on Thanks for listening to Unnamed in Lights. I'm on Twitter at Stefani Media, that's with a PH spelling and three I's. If you have any comments on this episode or others, talk to you next month.